All right. Come on down. That's your musical signal that we're about to start. My name is Susan, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Palo Alto Vineyard Church. And we are in the midst of our last sermon on the sermon series called God and Film. So I hope it's been a good series for you thus far. We're really looking at how um, we can enter into the conversation that film is in our culture and see how we can see how there are themes of God or the gospel or from the scripture as we talk about various movies. And so today I'm asking you, how many people have seen the movie Barbie? Anyone? Oh, interesting. A decent number who have not. Fear not, I will summarize. And it's um, not that complicated to summarize. Also, we're going to watch a trailer. So, but I want to tell you ahead of time that I was surprised at what a big movie of the summer it was. Did you know that the movie Barbie made almost double the amount of money as the number two movie? of this summer. Um, so, which was Spider-Man across the universe, Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse. <laughs> so it seems to me like this was a movie that connected with people somehow, or there was a great desire in our culture to wear pink. <laughs> um, I, I noticed that our worship leader also had a pink hair thingy. So I grew up with Barbies. Um, I just turned 55, and a long time ago in our culture, um, Barbies were like a new and uh, fresh thing. And how many of you grew up with Barbies? Okay, some of you, even you young uns. Um, so we had, um, when that was kind of growing up, we had uh, were immigrants, and we didn't have much money for toys, but... Um, I had Barbie hand-me-downs, and um, one year for Christmas, I got a Donnie and Marie Osmond Barbie set. Some of you don't know Bar Donnie Marie Osmond. They were a clean-cut Mormon family singing group, and for some reason, they made Barbie dolls out of them. I got new Barbies, and I was so excited, I thought I was going to lose my mind. So this was very exciting for me. Um, but I only had a few Barbies, and I would take pieces of cloth and paper towels and make with rubber bands and, and uh, scotch tape and make clothes, and I was into it. But as I got older, I began to see that there were things that were challenging or difficult or, as they would say now, problematic about uh, Barbies, like there were no Barbies that looked like me. So I think I was really into the Marie Osmond Barbie because at least it had dark hair. So that's kind of the stretch that I was doing at that point. And the whole Barbie thing, I re came to realize like it just makes you want more Barbies, like more outfits and more shoes. And I became aware of how it made kids into little consumer fiends, then there was the whole body image thing, and that was kind of crazy. Thank you. Oh, my. Still, last spring, when they announced that they were having a Barbie movie, maybe out of the nostalgia or something, I was still very excited. 
And um, nostalgia took over. I was excited for the movie. I was determined to watch it. And then when I watched the movie in the theater, I realized and I was surprised that there were a lot of things that connected with me as a person, as a mom, as a Christian. So for a little bit of context, for those of you who have not seen the movie, um, I'm going to have us watch the trailer right now. And like most trailers, you'll pretty much know the whole story after you watch the trailer. My apologies for those of you who are watching on live stream. We've realized that because of the rules and algorithms, YouTube will actually just X out anything. Hopefully the trailer um, will show, but clips are not allowed to be shown. So you're just going to, I'll explain it to you a little bit. So um, here's the trailer. So every day for Barbie has been perfect and the next day and the next day. But one day she wakes up with bad breath. And she falls out of her dream house, and she trips over her newly flattened feet, and she's wondering, what is going on? And according to her fellow Barbies, there's some malfunctioning that's happening, and she needs to go back into the real world and figure out why this is happening. So she's forced to uh, see the existence of an imperfect real world for the first time in her life, and... It sends her into a full-blown identity crisis. So that's one of the big themes of the storyline. She's just like, what? What is happening? She's shocked to find out that not all girls love her. And there are some middle school, high school girls who let her know that, uh, in fact, there are some things about her that's, that are problematic and babyish. And she encounters something called the patriarchy. And she makes a friend who turns out to be playing with Barbies while thinking and drawing um, a new kind of Barbie called Irrepressible Thoughts of Death and Cellulite Barbie, which has somehow been cosmically affecting her, stereotypical Barbie, uh, in perfect Barbie land and causing this tension to happen. But then she uh, brings her new real-world friends to Barbie land, and then she finds out that Ken, her boyfriend, has brought this, this patriarchy back to Barbie land, and now Barbie land is really messed up. So step by step by step, she's like, what is happening? Well, I connect with this because I think that at some point, we all realize that this world is really imperfect, right? We all have a realization process of knowing that this world is in fact very broken. I personally remember this one time when I was in elementary school. I grew up in um, a small city, Eugene, Oregon, and we were very connected to the extended Korean community, which was not very big. So at one point we had this Korean woman who was staying with us that day, and my parents were helping her out. She had uh, somehow married an American or white Caucasian Oregonian farmer from Korea, and she had moved all the way over here, and my little elementary school self realized and understood that he was not treating her very well at all, and she needed to have some help to go back to Korea where her family was. And I remember as a little kid going, what? Why would someone's husband not treat them very well? 
to the point where this lady's in our house crying like all day and she's having to move back to Korea. Like there's something about that experience that was kind of waking me up to, wait a minute, that's really bad. This world, what, does that happen a lot? Could it happen to me? There was some awakening that I went through to see what an imperfect and broken world that I lived in. Maybe you, like me, can pinpoint the day or the era or the time in your life where the brokenness of this world became blatantly obvious to you, where you kind of realized or maybe realized again in a more powerful way, whoa, things are not right in this world. Things are not as they should be. And you begin to doubt your own place your own safety, your purpose, everything you've ever known about that world. Have you ever had that experience where things you thought were, were not? Maybe something really disorienting and disturbing. And I think whether you're rich or poor or male or female or um, healthy or unhealthy or gay or straight, I mean, wherever you're coming from, I think we all have that experience at different points saying, oh, wait a minute, this world is not how I thought it was. It's not how it should be. And then what does that mean for me? So in one scene, Barbie is crying, and she's lamenting all of her feels, and she's having this existential crisis. She says that she doesn't feel pretty, or at least stereotypical Barbie pretty, She doesn't feel smart enough. She's never done brain surgery, she says. She's never flown a plane. She's not the president. She's not a Supreme Court Barbie. And Barbie begins to question everything about herself. How Barbie is feeling is so well expressed in one of the songs from the soundtrack that I've been listening to a lot in the past couple weeks. It's a song called, What Was I Made For? by Billie Eilish, who sings, I used to float. Now I just fall down. I used to know, but I'm not sure now. What I was made for? What was I made for? Taking a drive, I was the ideal. Looked so alive. Turns out I'm not real. Just something you paid for. What was I made for? So Barbie turns to her friend in the real world, Gloria, who gives her a monologue that I think a lot of women and maybe a good number of men can relate to. And this is some excerpts from her, her monologue. She says, like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy. But you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. But always stand out and always be grateful. Never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but always be grateful. And you have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. 
And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I remember hearing that going, whoa. I don't relate to all that, but I relate to some of that. I think regardless of your gender, you might fall if feel, find yourself being trapped and thinking that you also should be profoundly good and beautiful and successful, maybe holy and godly, put together. All these things. Do you find yourself feeling like you have to be all the things? But what happens if we fall short? Because at some point or another, we all fall short, right? We all fall short of the categories. I got to say that for me, as a Christian, I love that the Bible is full of people who fall short. For example, King David. Many of us know King David of the Old Testament is super honest about the big shortcomings that he's had. On one hand, he's amazing and gifted and courageous. On the other hand, he makes big mistakes. Big mistakes, like sleep with another man's wife and cause him to be killed kind of mistakes. And this leads David to have his own existential crisis, right? In Psalm 139, David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. This is David's way of saying, I'm terrible. I'm horrible. I'm a total loser, absolute sinner. Blah! What was I even made for? I was sinful from the moment that my mother conceived me. David says, I have a broken spirit. And this reminds me of that scene in Barbie when she's just laying on the floor and she's like, blah. She has a broken spirit. One of the big truths that I've seen in my life is that at one point or another, we all have a broken spirit. I don't care how beautiful you are, how successful you are, how mature you are. At some point or another, we find ourselves with a broken spirit. And sometimes we feel like we float, but sometimes we fall down. So, What does David do about that? David talks to his creator about it. Of the 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, 73 of them are attributed to David. And they are deeply honest, vulnerable, emotional, intimate, raw poetry of someone who's really wrestling with his identity and his purpose and his sense of hope and justice and weakness and confidence and all of these things. He's wrestling. We see that in the book of Psalms, right? 
And through the Psalms, we see that David's creator leads him to a whole new place. David responds to his existential crises by going to his creator. And he gets a whole new sense of what might be. Well, the same is true for Barbie. Near the end of the movie, Barbie ends up talking to her creator about her broken and confused spirit. And she is honest about her questions and her struggles and her sense of not knowing what she was made for. In this clip, Barbie is talking to a woman named Ruth Handler. And Ruth Handler is the actual person in our actual real-world history who created Barbie for Mattel. So, and they've interwoven that into the story. In this clip, Barbie turns to her creator, Ruth Handler, and um, pretty much communicates that she doesn't know who she's supposed to be and that she kind of wants to be human. And her creator um, gives, she says she doesn't give her permission, but she kind of leads her into that by helping her to imagine and to envision what it's like to be human, to be something that she's not, um, but it's something that she could experience. Similarly, King David, when he has a heart-to-heart with his creator, he is transformed and invited to consider something that he may not have, a new vision for himself. He says in Psalm 139, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. And when I was made in the secret places, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. When David engages with God, he has a a new vision for himself, something that makes maybe what he thought previously seem like just plastic. He realizes, I was made by you. I'm a work of your hand. Your works are wonderful and purposeful. I was made by you to live this wholly different purpose that you have given. You've ordained these for me. As David engages with God, he, dis- he sees that despite all of his mistakes, and Psalm 139 is after other Psalms when he realizes all the mistakes that he's made, but he realizes that he's invited to take on his identity as a child of God, not as a compilation of what he's done. I'm going to say that again. He's invited to take on his identity as a child of God, not a compilation of all that he's done. Barbie's creator tells her to feel her way into being human. But our creator says, let me walk with you into being a child of God, 
which is way beyond the reality of the world that we see and experience. It is a reality that's imbued with a supernatural love and purpose that's, that compared to this world is like plastic. Scripture invites us to see ourselves so differently. Our identity being shaped and made and created by God that we're invited to live, that we're created to live for a completely different and way beyond purpose. But instead of just holding God's hands, we put our lives in his hands and he walks with us for he's God Emmanuel walks with us in our lives. This is the glimpse of not just being human, but being loved beyond compare and made for a purpose. And like in that scene with Barbie and after she encounters her creator, for all of us, we also have And we have to have a moment of yes. Remember in that scene, it's the very end. She she sees all of what she could have, all of what she's being invited into, all that she wants and yearns for, and she says, yes. And that is true for us, too. Our creator invites us into yes, which is the choice to say I do want all that you created for me. I do want my identity identity to be defined by you, oh God. I do believe there is hope for so much more than this relatively plastic world that I'm living in. A choice to say yes. This is David's yes from the very end of Psalm 139. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. He says, yes, God, see me, be near me. I choose into an intimate relationship with you, and I choose to let you lead me. I hear this yes, uh, even if it's a tentative yes, in the words of Billie Eilish's song. This is a different part I'm going to quote. She says, because I, because I, I, I don't know how to feel, but I want to try. I don't know how to feel, but someday I might. Someday I might. I think I forgot how to be happy. Something I'm not, but something I can be. Something I wait for. Something I'm made for. Something I'm made for. I love how art reflects profound truth. And I think even this art, this song, reflects that human yearning of being able to be that which we're made for. Which we're made for by our Creator. 
Friends, you were made for a close, intimate, loving, hand-in-hand relationship with our Creator. And that's part of what is our church's mission, which is to empower people of all backgrounds to have intimacy with God and influence for his kingdom. And we believe that unless we have an intimate, close, active, live, organic relationship with God, we're not living our purpose. And we're not going to have the good influence that he has for us in our lives. And that's not just one-on-one, me and God, but it's us and God. That's our vision for us as a community, that we would be a people together that's helping each other to have a rightful, organic, close, trusting, hand-in-hand relationship with God. That's what we're trying to do. We were made for a good and joyful purpose. Each of us a little bit different, but each of us radically similar. We were made for a good and joyful purpose, which our creator had in mind even before we were born. And this morning, there is an invitation to say yes. Now, I realize some of you may have never said yes to God. And some of you feel like, yeah, I've been saying yes for a long time. But saying yes to God is a crucial part of our ongoing trusting relationship with our creator. So every, every day, but especially right now in this moment, as the spirit of God is hovering over us, there's an invitation to say yes. Yes, I choose to believe what you say about me, oh God. Yes, I want to be a part of a community that's going after this together. Yes, I want to know my creator better. So let's say yes, as Barbie does. Let's say yes to our